I'm excited about this weekend, uh, even just during worship, I, I, just now. I think we're in such a unique time in human history. You know, not all seasons are equal. Not, not every moment in human history has its... Uh, there, there are different dynamics to different seasons in history. And I really do believe we are in an epic shift that we're moving from one season to another. And those seasonal transitions often take longer than we think of as human beings. Uh, but God is behind it. God changes the times and seasons, Daniel said. And he does that by moving leaders and moving things around. And uh, it is often a tumultuous... Whereas Daniel 2 says that God changes the times and seasons, Daniel 7 says the enemy tries to manipulate the times and seasons. So there's a contention. And you see in those seasons that the prophetic ear is very crucial so that we can cooperate with what God is doing. You know the context of the sons of Isaacar understanding the signs of the times and knowing what they should do? The, the context of that was knowing who to get, there, get behind because the, the, the cloud was moving from the Saul regime to the Davidic regime. And so that, it, was, it was an epic season of shift. And, and I really do believe that we live, we're living in an hour like that. There's, the, the landscape's going to look different on the other side of this thing. And so, uh, and I just, I, I have this, this sense that what's coming, uh, there, there's going to be an, a, a renewed emphasis on the teaching of the word in the coming days. Uh, you know, uh, Winky, Don, uh, we'll introduce you to Don in a moment here, but Don was sharing uh, some of his ministry history, and he used to pastor one of my heroes, Winky Prattney. And I heard Winky back in 1995 say this. He said, walking is actually a perpetual state of imbalance. He said, the only time you're really balanced is when you stand still. So in, other, in order to make progress, you've got to be in balance for a moment. But if you continue in that imbalance, you fall over. And so a baby, you can see that. When a baby starts to walk, it's in a perpetual state of imbalance and it makes two steps and it doesn't know how to correct its imbalance and falls over. We've learned how to do that in gracious, you know, gracefully as adults, but we really are. We're, if we're going to make progress, there are emphases that need a counterbalance in order for us to continue to move forward. And uh, this last move of God, we're, we're, we're on... We're in a move of God that started 25 years ago, and that move emphasized the power of God, the love of God. The love of the Father was poured out in this move. Uh, Jack Taylor, a, a father in this house that has now gone to be with the Lord. Uh, Jack, he, he told me, he's, before Brownsville, before Toronto broke out, he was in a conversation and he said this. He said, that we've had the Jesus people movement. We've had the outpouring of the, the spirit and the charismatic renewal. But what is gr crucially needed is a, a revival of the father. And we had that. The father's love was poured out upon the church. But I, 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 I believe that there is a counterbalance coming. Not that we no longer emphasize the love of God. But there's a counterbalance that's coming that's going to restore the fear of the Lord to the church. And with that is going to be, whereas the last move brought power, this move is going to restore authority. But the fear of the Lord has to be a, a fixture in our hearts in order for that to happen. And it's going to be rooted in, the, there's going to be the teaching of the word. This last move, there's been a lot about encounters. And hey, you know, we're, we're all about encounters here. But if we don't have our encounters rooted in the word of God, 
then we're going to fall over. And so there, there is a coming emphasis of the fear of the Lord and the, the authority of heaven rooted in the word of the Lord as written in the Bible. And so there's going to be a, a real emphasis on the teaching of the word. I say all that to say this. These two men are, are tremendous teachers of the word. And uh, so it's, it's a real honor to have them. Bill and Faye have uh, acquiesced to becoming one of our external overseers. And uh, that, that is just, uh, I, I met Bill some years ago in Denver, and, uh, but we really connected at Papa Jack's memorial service, and uh, we shared a spiritual father in Jack Taylor. And uh, after hearing his history, I thought, I would love to have this man take Jack's place. They, there's an old saying, never trust a man without a limp. <laughs> uh, He's been through the ringer and he still loves Jesus and loves people. And that says something. And so they have, they have willingly stepped into that role. And so you'll be hearing more of them uh, in the coming days. And I just love this couple and they've, they've become dear friends. And then they've introduced me to Don Crum. And uh, Don will be ministering. So the, here's, here's the lay of the land today. We're gonna, they're going to tag team it. It's up to them. It can be fluid. Uh, I trust these guys, they, they, uh, so however they want to do this, and uh, I'm going to let Bill, when, uh, when Don is introduced, let Bill introduce Don, uh, because he knows him better, but I've just so enjoyed Don, just spending some time with you, and, and uh, fellowshipping, and just picking his brain, and uh, it's been really good, so uh, Bill, I'm going to give this mic to you, it's, it's yours now, whatever happens from here on out is his fault, I am not responsible, so... such responsibility. <laughs> when uh, Dave, <clears throat> um, he invited us up, when was it last? Sometime. I, I, lose, I lose sense of days and months and weeks and pretty easy anymore it seems like the older I get it's just like I just need to live in the now and um, but when we were here last uh, he he popped that question to me and uh, I I have to confess to you that I felt need to learn how to use this thing I felt like a all all the guys in the room are going to identify with this I felt like a little boy uh, sneaking into his father's closet and stepping into his shoes and clumping around in my dad's shoes and I thought to myself, I don't know if I can fill those shoes. I don't think I can, but, but boy, oh boy, since we were here the last time and, and coming into the house this morning, last night and this morning, we had some fellowship last night here, I just feel so at home here. And, and I just, uh, I'm, I'm really thankful 
for this house. And my wife and I, we've had a heart for the heartlands. And, and we thought that it was Nebraska. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> I think we were just husking corn over there. <laughs> we need to come over here. And so it's a, it's a delight. It's a real delight to be with you uh, this morning and this weekend. And uh, Father, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Holy Spirit, you are so present in this house, in the hearts and the lives of this family. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you promised that as, as we walk in your light, as, as you are, that you, you have this wonderful, wonderful cleansing agent of the blood that just continues to work. And so I thank you this morning for fresh cleansing. And I thank you for fresh anointing. And I ask you for that anointing to be upon these lips to speak and let that same anointing be upon our hearts to hear that we might live, really live with you, in you, before you. And that we might truly become the embodiment of your grace expressed in this generation. I thank you for these things. Open, open up, Lord, that anointing and specifically let it be activated by the mind of Christ in every single one of us, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. One of the, one of the metrics that I, and this might sound a little warped, but one of the metrics that I, I often uh, take note of is uh, when I'm going into a place, the level of resistance of the enemy and the attacks of the enemy. And I want to just say to you, the last two weeks have been somewhat hellacious for us. And uh, the attacks were very, very personal, very, very ugly attacks in, in, the, in the spirit by the enemy. You know, he doesn't play fair. And therefore, we don't have to either. And, and so he really has, has made an effort to, to, to spoil and disrupt um, peace, spoil and disrupt um, thinking, spoil and disrupt worship, spoil and disrupt, all just, just this havoc kind of a thing the last couple of weeks. And I, you know, sooner or later I finally wake up <laughs> with this thought, oh, you must be threatened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You must be afraid. 
or you wouldn't be defending at this level. And so I, I really feel like this weekend is really important. And so I came loaded with a lot of different words and somewhere, and, and everybody that stands behind one of these things, sooner or later, we learn this thing of, of, we've got a lot of things to say, but there's some things that you must say. And, and I want to I start off this, this, this morning, and uh, it's going to be perhaps very, very, very fundamental. But it's important, foundations are extremely important. If the foundations, and this house has good, solid foundations. I, I just feel so at home here. I so respect Dave and Kathy and, and, and the staff here. And, and there's just this, this wonderful union, which is greater than unity. There's a union that's taking place in my heart with you. I pray that the same is from you to us. And um, so I'm just going to launch out in a, in a real foundational word this morning. And uh, we're going we're gonna to build on this, this weekend. And uh, since it's a foundational word, I, I think that maybe it's best to start in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God... Man, we could stop right there and launch and never come back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. When he spoke that word, it was the release of all that he is. God is light. He didn't just possess light, he didn't have light as, as an arsenal on his, on his belt. God is light. There's three primary things in the scriptures that says God is. God is light, God is life, and God is love. And, and when he released this word, God is light, ev that was the seed, that was the seed, the concentrated seed of every single thing that he would express himself as in this cosmos and everything that he would ever do. Everything came out of him with the release of let there be light. The word let literally, literally means uh, removing all obstruction. Removing all impedance. And so God basically was saying, get out of my way, I'm coming in. And the announcement was declared. And the release of the word of the Lord, and the release of the heart of the Lord, and the release of everything that he is, and everything that he would ever do, came forth when God said, let there be light. And there was. And that light includes both the spiritual dimension and the natural dimension. And in my heart and in my mind, you cannot separate the two. Spirit and flesh were to become one. Spirit and, and 
and the natural creation, they work together. They're not separate from one another. God loves the natural world that he created. He loves it. I've had the privilege of traveling around this planet a few times. And, and, and I want to say to you that he really knows how to build really well. And he does it so exquisitely and, and luxuriously and beautifully. I mean, look, you don't even have to go that far. Just take, take a, a, a day's drive, maybe, maybe a little bit more than a... No, no, you can do it in a day. I can do it in a day on a motorcycle if the weather's good. And you can go over west and, and end up in a place called Yellowstone Park. And I've got to confess to you, I've traveled all around the world, and that's one of the most stark, beautiful, glorious places I've ever seen in my life. I could spend a lot of time there. You just got to be careful of the buffalo that stand in the middle of the road at night if you're on a bike. Because they don't move. They think they own the place. And so... This spiritual realm and natural realm of creation comes forth and, and God activates in, in, in this, this word, let there be light, God activates the power of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Light comes and light gives the ability to see. It gives the ability to hear. It gives the ability to understand. I mean, it's only been in the last part of my life that we've, under, that we've even begun to scratch the surface of the power of light. Just natural light alone. Suddenly we, we, we begin to, we, you know, how long did we think that, that sound could only come through wires? How long has that been? It was well into my life on this planet that we've discovered that sound can actually flow through light. And dear Lord, I mean, we've, we've, we've unlocked, there's been the unlocking of the power of light in, in a way that we, it, it's like it opened up a whole different universe just with the discovery of new forms and new ways of operating and functioning in light. Well, God, God knew. He, he let it all go at one time. Let there be light. And so there was this release of the light of God and, and, it's, and, and this, this light, this light is in, in our lives is activated by the power of faith. And, and, and so it allows his revelation to bring a greater understanding. And, and I want to say to you this morning that, that God really wants us to understand. He does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to understand. And he wants us to understand, he wants us to, I mean, there's so much. The, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prayed for the, Ephes, the church at Ephesus to have, uh, that, that's such a big deal. This, this is a really, really big deal. He wants us to understand. And he wants us to be able to cooperate with his purposes, with his desires, with his plans, with with his will. And I want to talk to you this morning about the will of God. And uh, 
God gives to us light to understand the will of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm dialing it way, 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 way back to the, the, the very foundational understanding of the will of God. And, and I'm going to attempt to throw you three things this morning. I don't know if I'm going to get there. But um, I tell you what, even if we just get to the first one, it's going to be good. We need, we need understanding what the will of God actually is. If we have understanding of what the will of God is, and there's an enormous amount of misconceptions about the will of God. I mean, you know, we have these generic things that we throw out. Well, if it be the will of God, right? Well, he makes his will extremely critically laser-like clear. He doesn't mince words. And, and so I want, to, uh, I, want to, I want to stand in an office this morning and let, let the divine remembrancer speak. Years, years ago, I thought that I had coined that word, remembrancer, only to find out that it's actually a word and not only is it actually a word, it's actually an office. And their assignment is to remind the king or the queen what has been established. And it's been used down through the ages. The latest age would be in the, in the government of, of, of Britain. And there is actually an officer that holds the title of the kingdom remembrancer. Holy Spirit is our divine remembrancer. Jesus established that and he said, I'm sending you Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything that I've said. And why? Why would that be? Because we forget so much. We just are these human beings and we have this amazing ability to just go into a nothing zone and just forget the most important things of all. Sometimes the most things that we will forget is how important very, very close friendships and relationships are. And, we, and we, just, we just blow right past some of the most beautiful moments in life simply because we forget how important people are. I'm keenly aware of that this morning because not only did we recently lose Papa Jack in 2021, but... Uh, this, just a, really two weeks ago, we lost another father in our lives by the name of Jim Hilton. And uh, Jim went home. Now, I was in the homegoing service on, on Thursday. And, and honestly, it was a who's who of ministries that sat in that congregation. And a lot of tears flowed because of the life of a human being that actually walked with God and made such an impact that is an eternal impact and it will never, never be lost. And I so thank God for my, my father in the faith, Jim Hilton. And I already miss the phone calls that we would have that would just come. You never knew when he would call you. And... and and the, and the dialogue and the, 
And, and the times that I would just want to be quiet and just say, just please keep on going. Keep, please, please just say a little. And why is that? And, and you would just get this. Good questions create wonderful conversation, right? And so we need this understanding to remember. And uh, we live our lives without, without understanding. We're going to live our lives at a very low level of light. And uh, a, low, no, a low level of understanding. And so in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 it says this. Wherefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make it, I'm going to speak Texan to you for a little bit. Because this is what that word unwise means. It says, wherefore, do not be stupid. Don't be stupid. That's, I mean, that's what the Greek word means. Don't be stupid. Which means we can be stupid. Right? If you don't think that you can, we'll pray for you. Right? I mean, all you got to do is drive on some of the interstate highways to see how stupid people really can be, right? So go with me, and I know I'm jumping around in Scripture, but go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to pick it up. I'm going to come back later in, to verse 3, but we're going to pick it up in verse 7. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound, to, he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having, past tense, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, <clears throat> he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Hallelujah that he put everything just in one place so that we, we, we know where to look. Right? It's all in Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're going to find it in Christ Jesus. And so he, he's, he's so efficient that he put it in one place so that we don't have to wander around looking for a whole bunch of different things. He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have, past tense, obtained an inheritance, being predestined, and so many people are so frightened of that word. But here it is, right here. Being predestined. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be. Doesn't say do. This is greater than doing. The doing comes out of the being. That we should be to the praise of his glory. And so, he's made known to us through the, his grace and mercy, mercy the, mystery, the mystery of his will. And, and, 
And, and we begin, when, when, we, when we're filled with the knowledge of his will, and I'm just going to throw this out, maybe I'll come back and pick it up another time while I'm with you this time. But I'll just throw the thought out. When it talks, and when the scriptures are talking about the knowledge of his, uh, the knowledge of God, it's talking about his knowledge of himself, not our knowledge of about him. This is what he wants to reveal. This, this is how he wants to interact with us on the basis of his knowledge of himself. I believe that we should study. I believe that we should learn about him. But sooner or later, we've got to go beyond learning about him into knowing him. And we know him on the basis of his knowledge, not not. These things that are pea-brained here. This is why. This is why he gives to us as a part of our inheritance the incredible mind of Christ. And that it should not only be credited to our account, but it actually should be used. We need to engage and let the mind of Christ be engaged inside of us. I said to, we were talking last night about prayer and a lot of things we were talking about last night. And I often, you know, will pop off with some dumb thing. Simply because I like pushing the envelope. And I told, just shared a, a little private story I'll throw out to you and you can moan when I say it. But oftentimes when my wife go to the doctor, she, she and I go together, and we're in there with a the doctor, and for whatever reason, the last few years, our doctors have been ladies. And um, the doctor will say, after she's finished doing whatever she's doing, she will say to us, well, is there anything else that I can do for you? To which I almost always reply is, could you possibly give to her a brain transplant? And I told you you'd moan. And I've used it on myself as well. She's witness to that. Could you just give me another brain? Well, God thought of that a long time before. And we get a divine brain transplant because we can function and we can operate in the mind of Christ. And this is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to think. And the endeavor that's going on in my heart, in my life... Thank God for Jim Hilton in my life. Because he, he, he's, he, his life challenged me in such a way to start thinking with God, not just about God. And, and I'm telling you, this is a, this is a, this is a challenge. It's a challenge. Because sometimes we can learn about God and think that we know it. And we're far from it when we're operating that way. Well, you know, I know this and that, and yeah, okay. Keep coming. Keep coming. And so we're filled with the knowledge of his will. This is, this is what his desire is. He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. His knowledge of his will. And by the way, there's only one will of God. He doesn't have ten. He's only got one will. And we need to find out how we fit into that will. 
It's not 10, 14, 15 different wills, dear Lord in heaven. Where in the world did we ever get that idea? Well, the will of God for my life. Well, guess what? It's the will of God for our lives. And we need to learn to start fitting into his thinking. And as we do that, and, I, and you know, and, and you, I've said that in some places, and there was a lot of pushback in the spirit. There's many callings. There's many expressions and outworkings, but it's only one will. He's not schizophrenic. He has one will. He has one mind. And we have to begin, we have to begin coming into what coming into who he is. And as we come into who he is, we begin this wonderful divine experimental discovery called life. And we begin discovering who he actually is. And when we begin discovering who he actually is, then all of a sudden we actually begin discovering who we actually are. There's a lot of, been, a lot of emphasis on identity in, in the body of Christ. And, and the truth is, is that's, that's permeated all of society, identity, isn't it? And we're seeing some amazing conclusions that the world is coming up with. I mean, they're just plain, like I said earlier, stupid. But the fact of the matter is, is that God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And when we actually are filled with the knowledge of his will, we begin walking in our divine destiny. And the scripture, Paul says, walking worthy of the Lord. And when I'm walking worthy of the Lord, that means that my life, my life, my being, and my doing, of course, that, but that's secondary in my heart and my mind. My being is, is, is glorifying him. It's, 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 it's putting a smile on the inside of his heart. Who? The, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He, almost the same thing that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. But, but he, wrote, he wrote to them, and, uh, and, and I, I'm just going to, I'll just read this. You don't need to go there. He says, he says in Colossians 1, 9 through 14, he says, for this reason, and then he's going to, and I'm going to pick up on this reason just in a moment. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful, here's the doing part, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's his knowledge of himself strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the power of darkness conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins and so number one point it's the good will of God to predestinate us unto the, the adoption of his children. 
Adoption is an interesting process in the Western mind, in the Western thinking, is, 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 to, is to lay hold of a, of a human being of small stature and that is not of our biological family and, and to displace them from, from their, their emptiness and bring them into our family, give them our name, and we adopt them into our family. But that's not the Eastern way of thinking of adoption. The Eastern way of thinking of adoption is every single son born in my household, I adopt. I'm bringing them. I'm bringing them into a place of maturity. Uh, in the Jewish culture, it would be called a bar mitzvah for the son. Yes? And, and what it means is they, they are now, they've moved from a child into a son. They're able to, they're able, we say this by faith in many cases, of course, but they're able, they're able to, to responsibly bear the Father's name. And they're, they're, they're able to responsibly do the Father's business, right? And, and that's, that's that coming of age, that, that, that sonship. And that process is, in their minds, the process of adoption. I want to just tell you that you are not only cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we are not only cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we are birthed by the blood of Jesus. We have, we, we're, we're born of his spirit, born of his blood. There, there is that, 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 that birthing where, where we, we would call it being born again, right? Born from above. Totally different nature. Totally different. Everything is different. I'm born in the Father's house. I'm born there. I'm not a westernized adopted there. I'm born in my Father's house. And He's working in my heart and He's working in my life to bring me into the place where I can responsibly bear my Father's name. And so that I can responsibly do my father's business. Jesus at 12 years old knew. He knew at 12 years old. He's sitting in the council of the elders in Jerusalem. And they're discussing back and forth. And he's asking them questions. And they're asking him questions. And there's for days. Till mama showed up. And I can just see that Jewish mother. Finally finding her son after looking for him for days. Where is that boy? I mean, she was steaming. Come on. She didn't have a halo. She wasn't Catholic. <laughs> She's Jewish. You get on the wrong side of a Jewish mama, honey, you, you want to find someplace else to go. Yeah? She was steaming upset. Afraid. Angry. She said to him, and the, and the language in the Greek is really strong, why have you done this? And his answer, don't you, don't you know? Twelve-year-old boy, don't you know? I must be about my father's business. So he knew at 12 years old, the light had, had, had sufficiently dawned in his human understanding. 
of what his purpose was, what his destiny was. Everything was there. To which I can also, in my mind anyway, hear, come with me, young man. I'll show you your father's business. <laughs> and for 18 years, not 18 weeks, not 18 months, 18 years, he submitted and he worked in a carpenter shop dealing with his earthly stepfather and his business and learning submission. Whew. That didn't go over really good in Bible colleges, by the way. Just a side note. So it's the goodwill of, the, of, of God to have predestinated nothing. He came up with this, and we're going to see where it came from. He came up with this long before we were ever a gleam in our mom and our dad's eyes. This was his desire from the beginning. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, again, past tense. I'm going, to, I'm going to point these kind of things out to you. Past tense. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, again, in Christ. Honey, everything you need is in him. Everything that you desire, everything that you could desire, it's already in him. It's there waiting for you to discover what's been appropriated for you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, all that heaven, listen, all that heaven has to offer is already in Christ. You want to discover what you're inheriting? Just know him. Draw nearer to him, we would say. Draw closer to him. Allow him to come into your present thinking. Don't designate to him when he can show up and when he cannot show up. Don't, don't, don't build fences around areas of your life and say, this is mine. No, no, no. Invite Holy Spirit into every single thing. Invite him into your, your spousal quabbles. They won't be so long, by the way, if you do that. There's something about being transparent before the Father. It's really hard to argue, right? When I was pastoring, my wife and I, we would counsel with couples that were about to be married and part of the marital counseling, as I said, I would say to them, Whatever you do, when you have children, whatever you do, under no circumstances whatsoever, do you ever, 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 ever have an argument in front of your children? But when you do, <laughs> at least be faithful to give them the full picture and make up in front of your children. Yeah, that's 
so that they can understand. Mom and dad have problems, but they work through them. And they don't throw each other away. They actually, they actually work it out. Here was another more juicy bit of advice that I would give to young couples. And I would say to them, you argue, and, and when you're arguing, take every stitch of clothes off of you. And if you're going to argue, argue naked. I guarantee you, I have, I have stopped innumerous arguments <laughs> with that kind of counsel. They have been stopped really, really fast. Because how can you argue with each other naked, looking at each other? Pretty soon, Well, most of you are already married, so. But if you want to adopt that in your life, you can. It's good counsel, by the way. If you're going to argue, be, at least be transparent. Don't cover anything up. And let it be seen for what it is. Probably that argument's going to stop pretty quick. And they'll look at each other and they'll say, this is stupid. What are we doing? Life's too short for those kind of things. So he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, of the cosmos, that we should be this is the choice of the Father, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so he's blessed us past tense with everything. It's all there. <laughs> it's, it's, there's nothing there that's, that's ever going to be um, not needed and so the blessing is in Christ and, and the person of Christ Jesus it's all there and, and, and it's a gift to us and we don't have to work for this I know you've got a season of fasting and prayer coming up but that's not going to buy you anything you do understand that don't you it's not, it's not a purchasing agent, fasting. At best, it's just to get our flesh under subjection so that we can begin to listen and begin to reevaluate things and begin to realign and position ourselves in his presence and say to him, look, you are the most important of all. I, I'm going to push all this other stuff aside, whether, whatever you're fasting from, I don't know, but, but this I can tell you. The purpose of it is to come into his presence and to be present in his presence. And then receive his presence into our presence. Until we actually begin to start living correctly before him. 
It's not a purchasing agent. It's a relational step. And when you look at it that way, it's going to be totally different. He purposed this inside of his heart before the foundations of the cosmos. And I want to focus right now on one word, foundations. The word foundation is, 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 has in its meaning to conceive. To conceive. God determined his will for you, for me, for us, before the foundations of the cosmos. Let me help you to, to get a picture of this. Before the foundation, before the conception of the cosmos, before he ever created anything, creation was an afterthought of his will. The first, the first thought of creation, the, 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 this, this, it came as an afterthought of what his will was already set upon. And his will was already set upon family. His will was already set upon sons and daughters before he ever created the earth. Before he had the thought to conceive the process of creating the cosmos, this was established, that we would be sons and daughters of, of the living God. What does that mean? That means, honey, that means that he thought of us before he thought of anything else. This is how important you are to him. You are paramount to his heart. When he looks at your heart and he looks at your life, regardless of what you've done, when, you look, when he looks at you, when he looks at me, when he looks at us, there is a longing and a desire in his heart to express even more love and to pour even more into our hearts and more into our lives, to, 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 to draw us more central in his, in his family so that we actually begin to think like he thinks. And that what's important to him is important to us. When we begin to get a hold of this, we'll quit with the sin management thing. It'll be in your rear view mirror. Because suddenly you'll begin to realize the will of God is I'm a son. This is his will. This is, his, this, is, this is what he had in his heart and his mind and he devised everything because of this. It's almost like this. Well, maybe it's exactly like this. I don't know. Jim, if Jim would, could just somehow pop into our service, he could tell us. I mean, he's got perfect theology now. Right? One millisecond in that environment. Oh. 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 I think that we're going to be saying that a lot. Listen to this. Before 
God conceived the thought of creating the cosmos. He thought of us. And as he thought of us, he must have had this idea. He's full of ideas, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to need a place to put them. Here, let's do this. When that dawns inside of our hearts, you're going to stand up straighter, not because of pride, but you're going to stand up straighter. You're going to be more upright. You're going to, you're going to think differently. You're going to walk differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to respond differently. Why? Because all of a sudden you, you're standing and, and, and the will of God is now filling the vessel. When he created the cosmos, he created it as a container to express his glory. All of the creation of God, stars, sun, moon, planet, Yellowstone, all of it was created to reflect or to reveal, maybe is the better word, his glory. But to reflect the glory of his person, he created human beings. Let that sink in for a second. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. That I should be. Be. State of being. That I should be to the praise of his glory. That everything. And I'm telling you, when this dawns on us, when it gets inside of us, there's just a lot of junk that's just, just going to fall off. I mean, it's just going to fall off. You won't have to struggle with it. I remember, I'm going to be painfully transparent. Is that okay with you guys? Fathers do this. And I qualify as a father now. I remember I was pastoring and I was over and we pastored in Hawaii a couple of times. And the second time that we were there, we were, I was going to a very, very, very important appointment. And, and, and to leave where I, we lived and to go to this appointment meant that I had to go right into the downtown area of Honolulu. And I want to tell you something, it's gridlock. It is gridlock traffic. It, it's just, you want to try to avoid rush hour traffic, which is from 7 o'clock in the morning to midnight. It's going to be busy all the time. It's never going to not be busy except in the wee hours of the morning. And I'm going to this important appointment and I'm thinking about what I need to do at this appointment and on and on and on and on and on and I'm just caught up and I'm in about the middle lane of, I don't remember, what is it, Faith, six or seven lanes wide, H1, 
why in the world they call it H1, I don't know, because H1 is an interstate highway in Hawaii. Interstate <laughs> highway in Hawaii. And some soul, some soul in the far left lane crosses, and I mean at a high rate of speed, he shoots across everything, cutting everybody off in every lane to, 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 to take an exit that if he had just gently moved over, he could have taken the next exit and gotten there probably just as easy. And as he did that, I did something that I used to do. And I pointed to heaven with one finger. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I knew you would do that. You know why he did that, son? Because I wanted him to do that. Because I wanted you to notice him. And you don't know where he's going. And you don't know what he's facing. And the reason this happened is I want you to start interceding and praying for him. Ay, ay, ay. And you go, meow. And you feel like maybe that tall as the corrections of a father who loves a son take effect. It's like Patsy Claiborne describes her aunt. Her aunt said to her, ain't nothing like a whooping from the Lord. And he whoops those that he loves. When's the last time you had a spanking? If it's been, if you have to stop to think about it, maybe, maybe it is a good time for fasting. And then it dawned on me, he took the exit to the medical district where the hospitals are. I never made it to my appointment that day. I pulled off on the side of the road and I lost it. And all I could do was cry. And the tears were so strong and so fast they came, I couldn't drive if I wanted to. Praying for that. Whoever they are, I didn't know who they were. Never met them, to my knowledge. God is able to get through into our hearts and into our lives, and he begins to reveal what his heart is. And when he does this, These kinds of things suddenly transform my heart and my life and my thinking and I just am different. And it affects my behavior. It changes my behavior. It brings transformation in my life. But when I discover what's actually in his heart, that he, he purposed and he designed this and, and the desire 
these, these, these conceived thoughts and then take these conceived thoughts and, and bring in his will, he bring the, transfer those thoughts into his will and determine, yes, this is what I want. He's very calculated. He actually thinks about what he's doing. He thinks about what he's saying. So he's, he's, he's not just some uh, indiscriminate, oh, I think I want that. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God, God's very calculated in what he's thinking. He's very intentional in what he's thinking. And when he does it, honey, let me tell you something. He has invested all that he is and all that he thinks and all that his character and all of his nature. And he's already got it from alpha to omega and everything in between. And he's considered it all before he pulls the trigger on it. Yeah. And so he chose you, he chose me, he chose us to be his children, to be his sons and to be his daughters. And that we would be brought into a place where not only are we going to be born into the Father's house, we're going to be born into the Father's house and he's going to take about the responsibility of raising me through the agency of Holy Spirit who is going to come into my heart and come into my life and Holy Spirit is going to raise me up and bring me to the point where I'm actually able to bear the Father's name responsibly, His character responsibly, and able to do the Father's business responsibly. Oh, would to God this would be taught in Bible colleges. It would save a lot of pastors a lot of growing up. I think I mentioned the last time, I think, if I didn't, I will this time. And my wife's been after me for oh, longer than I can remember. Maybe 20 years. You need to write. You need to write. You need to write. You need to write. You need to. She's done it every. She sat down. You need to write. She stood up. You need to write. Please write. Now she's got her phone out and recording everything that I say and I do. Saying, if you're not going to write, at least I'm going to have it recorded. She's got the idea she's going to get the royalties on whatever it is that I've <laughs> got to say that's. <laughs> I think I've got a title for a book. Here it is. I'll throw it out and see what you think. For God's sake, grow up. <laughs> A letter written to the body of Christ. Grow up. Come back to the foundations. Come back to the place where you actually know the will of God and then you're actually being filled with the knowledge of his will, his knowledge of his will. Because it's, it's in, initially, it's, 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 it's probably able to be uh, uh, marked by an event. But sooner or later you realize the event is fluid. It's not static. And it grows and it develops 
and the event becomes something that we call life. And then you start seeing his hand everywhere in everything. And you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off with no aim and with no purpose. But now you know. And now you've, you, 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 by his grace, by the way, by his grace, you and I are able to align. It's activated by faith, but it's by his grace. In other words, he thought of it before you did. He designed it to operate this way. This is, this is how he moves. It's by his grace, his provision. When, whenever we're seeking God, like you're, you're about to start on, on Monday, is that right, Pastor? And then you're going to get 21 days of seeking God. Hallelujah, I applaud you. But in your seeking, understand this. He's the one that originated that. He's the one that put the want to in your heart to want to. He originated the thought. He originated. He's the great initiator. And he initiates this thing that we call seeking God. Because I found out a long time ago, we're going to see it maybe tomorrow, but I found out a long time ago that something that Jack so eloquently put, I, I started studying the kingdom until I found out that the kingdom was studying me. And we wake up to the reality of this, this father that, that wants to raise us up in his household to be the embodiment of his word on planet earth. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word was made and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. That he was filled with glory and truth. Glory and truth. And so when this begins to dawn on the inside of us, we, we, we begin changing. And it's not because we're afraid of getting punished for something that we did. It's because we see what was in his desire to begin with and we say, yes, yeah. Yeah, because, because it's like a tuning fork for an instrument. You strike that tuning cord. I played guitar for years until I cut some ligaments in my hand. And, and, and you'd strike the, the old way anyway. <laughs> the old-fashioned way was to strike a tuning fork and place it on the instrument itself until the vibration of the tuning fork sounded in the instrument and then you tune the keys to that specific rhythm. And so God sets his tuning fork upon our hearts and upon our lives and then he goes about changing the rhythms of our life and the pressures of our life and everything to tune us to that heavenly, that heavenly wonderful vibration to where I'm walking in his will. I'm being filled with what I'm walking in. 
And now I'm beginning to see through the spirit of wisdom and revelation my father and what he originally had desired for me and not only for me but for us. What I'm doing to this morning is, it's, uh, there's a Greek word, and it's, and it's uh, what I'm doing to you, it's, it's I'm kerygma-ing you. I'm announcing to you what's already done. I'm declaring to you what's already done. The word is kerygma. It's declaring. It'll never be changed. This is forever the same. We're forever, we're forever going to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's how big it is. We're going to forever be discovering. Right now, it's painfully slow. I've been meditating about Jim and Jack, and it's how fast they must be growing. I mean, they're light years down the road already. Days as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. My Lord in heaven. If you're not careful and when you start thinking that way, you just kind of start saying to the Lord, I, 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 you, can, you can take me anytime you want. I'll go. I'll go. And I think maybe the older we get when we're walking in this, the older we get, the more we're inclined to, you know, you have that dilemma. Paul had it. Well, evidently God said, you want to you come on? You want to come to my house? I'll give you the choice. And Paul waited out. He measured it. And he thought to himself, yeah, that would be better for me. But we've got kids. We've got kids and they don't, they don't know this. I think I'm maybe... I think I need to stick around for a little, little while longer. It's going to cost me, I know. But I think you're going to make it up. Somewhere in the process. Oh, Jesus. Somewhere in the process, we quit living for ourselves. Catherine Kuhlman said it like this. In the beginning it was all of me and none of thee. And then it was more of me and some of thee. And then it was more of thee and some of me. In their old age, right around 75, 76 years old. On video you can see it, you can find it on YouTube. It's there. Speaking in Jerusalem. Full gospel businessmen. Then you look into that woman's eyes and you're looking into the eyes of eternity. She was caught away. She was enraptured far before. She wasn't even concerned about a rapture. She was already enraptured. And she said, and now it's all of thee and none of me.
when we begin discovering his will, and we begin to realize that it was, he, he came up with this before he had the thought of conceiving to create the cosmos. Suddenly we now see, you know, you see. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. When you're born again, you're able to see the kingdom. Hmm? And when you can see the kingdom, then you can enter. You can only enter what you see. You cannot enter what you do not see. You don't even know it's there. John, the beloved slash revelator, on the Isle of Patmos, where everything had gone wrong, so to speak, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, but he wasn't exiled from the Father, and he wasn't exiled from Holy Spirit, and he wasn't exiled from the kingdom, and he was not exiled from the purpose of his existence on planet Earth. He was right in the middle of it all. Perfect place, perfect time, designed by God himself to be in a place where he came into the presence of one that he did not know. He stood in the presence of a Jesus that he did not know. And Jesus had to tell him who he was. I, I, I'm, I'm he. I'm the, I'm the alpha, the omega. The beginning, the end. Come on, come on, you know who I am. When is the last time that you stood in the presence of a Jesus that you did not know? One that was so big, you, you'd never seen that before. One that when he looked at you, it permeated every part of your being. And suddenly you're standing in the presence of... Of the one who loves you. And you don't even think about what you did wrong. That's gone. That's out of your mind. Because in his eyes is perfect light with perfect love. And the light, the eyes are the light of the soul. And so everything that he is within him comes through his eyes. And he's looking at you with nothing but pure love. And pleasure. And all of the other stuff. Even, even, even John's circumstances of suffering in that place, they just, it just melted away. It just, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I am he that lives though he died. Behold, take a real good look. Get an eye full of this, John. And John was the one that was closest to him beyond all the other disciples. 
He used Jesus' heartbeat for his pillow. All the other disciples would say when they wanted something from Jesus, John, John, you ask him. You, you, you ask him. They knew. I'm not going to get to the second point. In fact, I left my notes a while back. I have to catch up. I find myself sitting in services anymore. Oftentimes caught away into a different place. God has this ability to do that. You know, I, I'll just finish with this story. Several years ago, I was, um, I, was, I, was, I was measuring, I needed to cut a two before. I was at my dad's house. I, my dad owned a lumberyard construction company. I grew up in that world. And I needed to cut this two before, and, and any man that does anything like that, you know, you'll know, you'll identify with what I'm talking about very quickly. And I, and I had a really, really good tape measure, good retractable tape measure. It's a 30-foot tape measure, and you could just put that thing out there. And it was such a good tape measure for a good quality tape measure, you can put, take it out there 20 feet, hit the retract button, and it just goes straight back into the container because the metal of the tape itself, is, it's thick. It's, it's good, solid tape measure. A bad tape measure, on the other hand, I couldn't find my good tape measure, and so the only one that I could find was this cheap thing. So I pulled it out about 10 feet, measured my two before, marked it, cut it, hit the retract button on the tape measure, and that tape starts flying through the air like a tail of a snake, and it hits my ring finger on my right hand right at the quick. going only God knows how fast. These are the kinds of things that would make a preacher cuss. It hurt. I mean, it hurt. I dropped that thing, pulled my hand back, and immediately the quick of that finger all turned, all the way across the fingernail, it turned black immediately. And I thought, my first thought was, because it's happened to me before, I'm going to lose that fingernail. That dude is coming off. I know it is. This is going to be a process. <laughs> of coming, that thing's going to come off. Another one's going to have to grow back in. This is going to be, this is going to take some time. And to my amazement, I didn't lose the fingernail and the bruise grew out underneath my fingernail and out in the middle of my fingernail, it's about the size of a, of a number two pencil racer, eraser, out in the middle of my fingernail, just this black, almost round glob of, of blood underneath my fingernail. And, uh, and I'd already forgotten about it all. And, and, uh, 
And, and so I'm sitting in uh, the hub in, in, at Jelaine's place in, in, in Omaha. And, and we've been worshiping the Lord. It was so lovely and so beautiful and wonderful. And I'm just worshiping the Lord. And then, you know, it's coming to the end of the worship. And, and I just opened up my, my, my notes and just began to look at, because I was supposed to speak that night. And, and Jelaine is announcing, she's introducing me again and, and uh, to saying some things that Jelaine says. And, and, I, and, I, and I was looking at my notes, just getting my thinking in order to, to speak. And, and, I, and I just glanced over at my fingernail and the Holy Spirit says, what would you do to your finger? And we talk this way. I, I know, it sounds crazy. But Holy Spirit says, what did you do to your finger? And, and internally, I just spoke to him the story that I just told you. I know that he knows, but he asked me a question, so I answered him. And, and the tape came back and hit me, and it bruised me deeply. And, and I thought I was going to lose my fingernail, but I didn't. And it's out, and that's, why, that's what happened to my finger. And he says, yes, yes. Yes, that's what the measurements of man always do. They wound. And they bruise. And I'm going, I'm going to deliver you from what people think about you. Especially what you think about yourself. I was undone. My God. I don't even know what I spoke on that night. It must have been good. They gave me a good offering, but I was in another place. I was speaking a message on one output thing and receiving another message on an input thing. And, and these two things were going on and that can happen in the kingdom. You're, you're getting these downloads for something totally different and you're pouring out and you're actually cognizant of both equally. It's an unusual dynamic. But it happens. And ever since that day, and that's been years and years and years ago, ever since that day, he has been faithful to his word. And I no longer am moved as I was before. I think I'm still a little bit moved about what people think especially people that I respect. But he said, I'm going to remove from you the measurements of man. God's going to measure us with his own measurements. And many, many, many times it has nothing to do with the measurements that we measure each other by. And the greatest men and the greatest women of God are often in the background and never seen publicly. And so he's raising us up. And he's adopting us and we're becoming aware that we're growing up 
And we come to this place where all of a sudden there's a lot of things that just don't trouble us anymore. And I'm of the opinion, I hope in a measure that I'm wrong, but I hope in a measure that I'm right. It's always got a, several sides to every coin in God's kingdom. I think that we're going to see some difficult times. And we need to be prepared. And the best preparation, I believe, is to know what the heart of my Father is saying regardless of the circumstances on planet Earth. Because when I know what He thinks, then I can stand and not be moved by the measurements of man and the metrics of man and the circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in. And I will tell you now, in your worst day, He has your best interest at heart. And that day came to pass, not to stay. And it's going to do its work, whatever it needs to be. Whatever difficulties we're going to face as an individual, as a family, as an extended family, as a congregation, as a, as a city, as a region, as a nation, as a generation... Whatever those things that we're going to be facing, don't forget that He chose you. He chose you. He chose, intentionally chose you before He conceived the thought of creating the cosmos. And he has your highest good at heart. And he never changes. And guess what? He is not going to change his mind. He made that real clear, didn't he? I am the Lord and I change not. <laughs> Okay, so, the, so, the, so the, the rules of the game are settled. If we're going to relate with him, he ain't changing. Guess who is? That's us. Amen? Well, I think that's about all I can fit in. I'll read you two quick ones. Paul writes, he says, therefore, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators, and that word is followers, not leaders. Therefore be followers of God as dear children. That means you're endeared to him. He has, he's already endeared you. You can't be unendeared. You can't be. Be followers of God as dear children and walk in love 
as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. For you were once darkness, but now, but now, but now you are light, you are, state of being again, you are light in the Lord. Walk, live, breathe, think, act, react as children of God. When these things take place in our hearts and our lives, we become like a ship that has a full load. And when we're a ship as a full load, that's when they sail the best, baby. That's when the, that's when the weight comes in and that ship sinks down to the proper water line. And honey, it can cut through anything. And it's not moved. It just sails, baby. And, and it's just going to throw whatever you want to at it. It's, if it's built right, and it's, and it's carrying the right ballast load, and it's sunk down into the water, the perfect, it's going to just, it's going to operate at its optimum. We are carrying the load of the glory of God in us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's the hope of glory not only for you, but for everybody else that you meet. And your life starts living and you start being, being. One story. Smith Wigglesworth on a train going from one city to another city fantastic meetings happening everywhere he goes he's on a train he gets up to go to the toilet and he hears behind him in the aisle a clunk and he turns around and it's a Catholic priest on his knees saying my God man you convict me of my sin he was going to the toilet. Being. We carry. It's a state of being. You carry heaven inside of your spirit. And he is not content to stay there. He's going to come out into your mind, into your will, into your emotions until he starts moving through your hands and walking through your feet and looking through your eyes and speaking. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the fluency. of your anointing and your word. And we turn to you in this moment and we say, we give you praise. And we give you glory.
And we attribute to you everything that has been done this morning and you get the glory and you get the praise and you get the honor and you get, to, to you belongs all dominion. It all belongs to you. And I thank you for this house. I thank you for the health of this congregation. I thank you for the leadership that you set in place in this house. I thank you, Lord, for vision that's here. I thank you, Lord, that they have a heart a real, genuine heart for you and not just what you do. I thank you, Father, for a house that's not prostituted, that's after her own gain. I thank you for sons and daughters who love you, who adore you, who are growing up in your household, who are beginning to discover the wonderful reality of thinking with you and not just about you. And I thank you for your great grace and your great mercies. And I so thank you that you determined long ago to not throw anybody away. But you keep us by your grace, by your blood, by your determination, by your will. You keep us. You keep us. Keep me, Lord, as the apple of your eye. Keep me. And cause me to be sensitive to your keeping. Cause me to be sensitive to your voice. Cause me to be sensitive of your presence. Cause me to be just absolutely sensitive of, of your choices, of your will. And I thank you, Lord, that you made this thing foolproof. We can't mess it up. Your determinations are forever written. Not in the books that we hold in our hand, in the books that are written in heaven. Your determinations are there. And you're going to bring about whatever you need to bring about to get us where we need to be. And so we trust you. And we lean away from our own devices and we lean into your grace. And we lean into your mercy and we lean into your will. And your heart chose us and our hearts have said to you, yes and amen else we wouldn't be in this room this morning. So let it be, Father. Let it be, I pray, in the magnificent and wonderful name of Jesus. Let it be. Seal this word in our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
Thank you, Bill. I am not going to preach, but I want to point something out. You know, Bill started with the eternal purposes of God. We got to step out of time and root ourselves in the eternal purposes. That's what the song of, um, or Ecclesiastes rather, it says that everything is meaningless under the sun. You've got to get above the sun to find meaning. And the measurements of man, we tend to limit ourselves to measuring things by time, looking around us, and things lose meaning, they lose, we lose perspective. And I, I really felt it strong as Bill was closing that the Lord wants to really put his finger on us this morning. And some of you, it's like there's a disillusionment that has begun to set in because you've been using the wrong measurement. You're very sincere, and you're trying to do the will of God, but you're using the wrong measurement. It's the measurements of time, of it within time. And God wants to pull us up and see the eternal purposes. And what seems meaningless in time, and the metrics of American Christianity, all of a sudden take on tremendous meaning. And that's, that's what Bill was getting at. What takes on tremendous meaning in eternity often looks meaningless in time. And often what we go through, we can feel like, Lord, what in the world? I'm just spinning my wheels down here and none of this really matters. And man, this is like, this is contrary to what you've called me to when it's exactly the avenue by which he's gonna get you where you need to go. And, and uh, so, again, I don't wanna preach, but I wanna just really drive this home this morning that there's the measurements of man. That's a powerful picture the measurements of man can create such disillusionment and it causes us to devalue the things that God values the most. And some of you feel like you've been sidelined when God actually has you on the fast track. And the things that feel like you've been sidetracked by are really the things that are getting you there. And, uh, and so we, we just need a new tape measure. Amen? So Father, we thank you so much for the rich teaching this morning. We thank you, Lord, that... Uh, we thank you for the fellowship, the food we're going to partake of here. And uh, Lord, we, we ask you to continue to do surgery in our hearts this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow morning. Lord, we give you this time. We give you access. And Lord, I, I pray especially for those. I, I just I, I feel that disillusionment with some of you. And so Lord, we're asking that you would tend to that. And I'm telling you, there's some of you, very specifically, this was a word from the Lord to, to, re, to recalibrate what's going on in your life. And uh, when you look through the new lens, you're going to see new meaning in what you've gone through. And so, Lord, I pray you do the, just that. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.